When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester. We're back from soggy Raleigh. It wasn't soggy on Sunday. It was sunny and beautiful in Raleigh, believe it or not. But we're back from the 10-3 NC State victory over Notre Dame. Obviously, very difficult conditions in which to play. Um, A lot of debate about whether the game should have been played. It's my contention that had it been played in perfect conditions on Sunday, it just would have been a high-scoring NC State win because we would have seen the the real NC State offense, I think, in their passing game would have been capable of doing much more against Notre Dame. But it was played 10-3, Notre Dame now 2-4, and four, and they got a real task ahead of them against a struggling Stanford team, but still a Stanford team that is capable of playing physical football. Yeah, I, I am in the camp that, not that it shouldn't have been played, it just shouldn't have been played at noon. I mean... There's no reason you can't move it to Saturday morning, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday at noon. Um, there were an, there was enough information out there ahead of time to know that that was going to be the worst yeah, time the worst of time. the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not. I didn't. I didn't have a problem with the game being played because of player safety or the fans are wet. Can't go home. It's just <laughs> like this. It wasn't a football game. It, it was a farce. So that's that's why you need to move it. So you're actually watching a game and the players get to play in a game. Because now we're sitting here and we're having the conversation probably later in this podcast about Brian Kelly back in 2017 based on a game that was played in a puddle. Like, there's, I think each game is too important to play and just leave it up to that kind of conditions. Um, I I was under the impression that NC State's facilities would have held up yeah. way better than they did, probably just based on how good Clemson was the year before, in a lot less rain, but that field almost was dry. Um, this field was a wreck two hours before the game started. You could see the puddles start to form on the side of the end zone where both field goals were. And it the didn't seem like goals. a majority of the game was played right yes. there, or at least the start of the, I think at the start of the second half where they just stayed there for It's hard to get out of that lake. Minutes. It's hard to get out of that lake. Um, so that's, the game should have been played this weekend. They needed to do, the ACC needed to do a better job of moving it to another time. That's that's my biggest problem with it. I could agree with a lot of that, but in the game being a farce, I have a follow-up. What time would you have moved the Notre Dame Syracuse game to, to avoid that being the farce that it was? Because <laughs> that wasn't football either. No. So I have a feeling there could be a common theme. You know. Yeah, this. and I, did, did Virginia Tech have difficulty playing just down they, the road? They must have had a better field. Yeah, I, field I, I was much better. It was yeah, much yeah, better. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'll buy that. North Carolina then, had trouble playing. Yeah, down yeah, the yeah North Carolina <laughs> Like Wake Forest played at night, I realized it wasn't exactly yeah. Winston-Salem was in Raleigh, but that field is, is a field turf, and that looked totally fine. Yeah. The rain had stopped at that point. BK was right, field turf. That's all you need. Yeah. It, 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 you know, and yet, I, I mean, I... And then, like, the, I just want to say, like, 
I agree with both your initial point. NC State probably still wins the game. Right. But it's like an actual game opposed to like No, it, it, it is. But but Notre Dame lost because they didn't make the they didn't make better halftime adjustments than NC State did. They didn't make good pregame adjustments. They didn't make good Tuesday adjustments. Um I thought that was probably the worst game plan that I've seen Brian Kelly put out in his seven years. Uh, it has to be because there's there's something telling you you cannot do what you want to do, even though you want to do it, and you have to be a leopard that finally changes your spots. Please don't do what you think you're going to do. And there's somebody on that coat on that staff that he just must not listen to because there's well, that's no what, way. That's what I always say. Mike I mean, Demrock and Mike Stanford didn't at some point say. Or, 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 or did any or did anybody suggest that Malik Zaire would be the right player for the situation at halftime? Right at halftime. Well, or at least after Jalen McClendon started ga- <laughs> gashing you in the third quarter. You know, here's a Pete. You you talked about the run pass distribution, and if you throw in the you know the team losses, Notre Dame att- attempted or would have attempted 33 passes and ran 31 times. And NC State had 19 passes and 46 runs, yes. I have an adjustment to this okay? because I went through the box score in the film and figured out, okay, what Kaiser runs were actually scrambles that had zero to positive gains that were pass plays. There were six of them. So it's not just the five sacks. It's the six scrambles. So it's it's even more. So really when you get down to it, that would make 37 called pass plays against... 27 rush plays. Kaiser only (laughs) had four designed runs of his 15 carries. So it it is actually worse than the box score. So 37 to 27. And NC State, again, counting team losses, which were bad, uh, you know, shotgun snaps, 19 passes, 46 runs. As it relates to the wind, Notre Dame had the wind against it in the first and fourth quarter with the wind second and third quarter. With the win, Notre Dame was 6-for-19 with an interception for 36 yards. Torrey Hunter and James Onowalu from different sides of the ball both said it didn't matter. It did not it was matter. It windy no matter exactly. what. Against throw. the win, Notre Dame was 6-for-11 with 25 yards. They were bad either yeah. way. They were less efficient throwing with the win. I think the win was kicking game the most. And if you're going to throw deep, which only Notre Dame would consider throwing deep in those conditions, clearly. And that's what happened a couple times. When you, it should have been intercepted, but the ball bounced. So when you throw, that's the second yeah. play of the game. The deep yes. ball, is that what you're talking about? I mean, clearly the wind takes that and knocks it down. At that point, I was still enjoying the, I'm going to throw the ball. I don't care what you people think. The first three plays, and then it kind of grew old as you were trying to watch the game and consider what football should look like. Yeah, and it, look, I mean, NC State, as as many mistakes as this, as they made, they took days, their leading rusher, and figured out a way to get him 126 yeah. yards. Their Wildcat quarterback, McClendon, end up with 56 yards. So combined, those two players, they're the blunt force of their running game, had 33 carries for a buck 82, 5.5 yards per carry. And you knew they couldn't pass. Yeah, you knew they couldn't pass. They finished with eight runs of 10 yards or more. Notre Dame finished with one, and it came on the very last, last series, series yeah. by Josh Adams. When it Which was, required when, it, when, it, when NC State actually logically could just play the pass. Right. Because Notre Dame had to pass the ball. Right. Um, you know, Matthew Days, he had a 28-yard run, a 23-yard run, an 11-yard run. That accounted for more than half of his rushing, those three carries. But, man, I tell you what, when he was good... It looked like he was running on a dry field. He yeah. looked like the only guy running on a dry field. He's a good back when he was good. He is a good back, and we, and again, that's why I say, on a dry track, he would he would have 
I mean, he would have had 180 yards rushing. Yeah, I don't know what week two of the non-Van Gorder defense. There's nothing we can take from it. I'm sure it's the coaching staff can look at the players and see that they played with better leverage and stuff like that, but we, it means nothing going into the next six you games. You can look at, okay, Jerry Tillery played pretty darn well. Sure he did, yeah. They, uh, and you know what? They're still playing exceptionally hard for two straight weeks. Yeah. You can, um, you can definitely go with that. Devin Studstill, I thought, played really hard and well, effectively. You think, you know, think about this. You're a defensive player, and you talk about going from speed to power on that kind yeah. of track. I mean, you can't do that. And so a lot of times guys were, like, just throwing a shoulder mm-hmm. to make a tackle. But what choice do you really have? You can't break down, stop, and make a tackle. Once you break through, you might as well just go ahead and throw a shoulder. So even even tackling technique is greatly impact, impacted by, by those conditions. And James Onawala was still playing well. He's gonna. He's, 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 he's gonna have a really. Yeah, he's got a really good season that no one's gonna care about in the end. The poor guy because it's gonna be a lost overall yeah. season. And, Rochelle played hard. I mean, I yeah. still like the play of the linebackers in general. Uh, I mean, you gotta look. You know what I've thought about Nico Fertitta. I've said too much about that. Uh, the kid plays and he plays hard and he's in position to make yeah. plays. And Brian Kelly, how many times did he say tough yesterday I when I asked about him? I mean, six times within a with a minute and a half response. Notre Dame cannot afford to have tough players standing on the sideline. No, I mean I completely agree. I don't think they got out. They didn't really get out toughed in this one, though. I, no, I, I don't critique. No, that. I'm just I mean, saying. They, they no, I'm saying in as, general. No, I'm not. I'm right, not questioning right. that in this game. I'm just saying when he describes Nico Fertitta as tough and smart and knows where to be and doesn't yeah. doesn't get leveraged. I don't care if he runs a four seven. He probably has to be on the field for you. Yeah, yeah. especially in a game like this. Um, you know, in some ways, like a game like next week right, too. Right. I mean, against Syracuse, it's a much difficult, more difficult matchup. But he held up there okay and played. I think seventy snaps. I mean, in the near future, only Miami's the one. And then pending USC, where you're a little worried about Fertitta as a safety against Miami. You, yeah, he's just fine yeah, against yeah. Navy and Army. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's going to be fine. slamming himself into the pile. That's great. Um, and then the other big sort of storyline that came out was Brian Kelly's commentary after the game when he called the snapping atrocious. Um, you know, when you're in there live and tweeting things out and you say the snapping is atrocious, that means you said the center was atrocious. And certainly there was video evidence of Brian Kelly jumping all over Sam Mustafer on the sideline. Um, you know, I, I feel like this is a discussion we've had probably four of the last seven years about sideline demeanor, how much is too much, you know, are the players responding to it, um, do you need to keep that under control. I don't really know what the right answer is, but to me, my takeaway from that is when you really jump on a player like that, you need to know that that player is going to take it, internalize it, and get better from it. And I think too often what happens when we – over the last few years is a player gets jumped on and he doesn't get better from it. It just, it dents his confidence. He doesn't respond to it. Um, and so that was, that's sort of my issue with that. Um, I am not pro yelling or anti yelling. I'm pro figuring out what buttons to push to make a player better. And I have real questions about whether that button was pushed with Sam Buster. You know, it's interesting because just probably to clarify who we're referencing Previously, Dane Christ never played again. Andrew Hendricks was never going to play again. Mm-hmm. Malik Zaire, sparingly situation. And should have played last week. Should have played at least half the game last week. 
and Sam Mustafer, who's your starting center. So it's going to be interesting. For the next two years. Right. So it's going to be an interesting, di- it's, it's a different dynamic with Mustafer. The other guys, he was done with. And it's clear he was done with Zaire, because if, if not then, when? Yeah. Right. Uh, so I will be interested to see how Sam responds to that. Now, we have since kind of learned, Pete, that he yeah. did not mean Sam Mustafer. Uh, now, there's no way did, a fan did, or writer can well, do this. He did not mean Sam Mustafer, only Sam Mustafer. He said the snapping was atrocious. And apparently what he meant there was the operation, that, which is Kaiser, Mustafer, and Quentin Nelson. So Explain that's, Nelson to that's, people too, though. Yeah, so Nelson taps Mustafer, silent count, snap it. That's fine. But it certainly did not come across that way. And there, and F, when Mustafer snaps early at the end of the game, yeah. he's not jumping on Kaiser and he's not jumping on Nelson. He is freaking all over Sam Mustafer. Isn't he saying, "What's your excuse this yeah. time?" And look, at that point, the game's over. So there's not there's nothing you're saying to Sam Mustafer that's going to help him later in that game. You're you're just sort of blowing off steam to blow off steam. I think the uh, you're bringing up the theory of you kick a horse during the race, not after it. Yeah, I think that's, that'd be that's, fair. That's kind of what happens in these yeah, situations. I, you know, I, I think there was a time when I, I thought Sam Mustafer wouldn't be able to take that type of hard coaching. I think he'll be fine. I, he's totally under the influence of of Harry Heastan, so I think he'll be fine there. And no, I want to say that... Overall, I think he's had a pretty good year. I think he's had a very good year. And, I, you know, here I, I, I think I defended the day of the game. Uh, uh, there was a thread where I really said, I think Mustafer's playing great, and then these things happen. But I want to say this. When Kelly chewed his butt at the end of the game, that kid stood there, looked at him, took it, thought he was done, was going to turn away. Kelly wasn't done. Turned back, <laughs> stood there, took it a little bit more, I have a lot, I have a great admiration for a kid that can stand there and take that because you know, basically what you, it's an irrational attack yeah. on you and and I'm not I'm not I have no comment about the head coach yelling at right. the player I, I that to me that's football right or wrong whatever I have no comment about that I'm just saying that the kid manned up and took it and I think he'll be fine moving forward I think it, in this particular situation though the snapping was atrocious largely because of the weather. Deshaun Kaiser's passes. Snapping was atrocious three or four times. And you you shotgun everything, so you're opening yourself up for that. Right, and Deshaun Kaiser's passes were atrocious, largely because of the weather. You're the one that controlled what was going on out there. You had control to make it easier on your players by taking a handoff, turning around, and handing the ball to someone else to run it, or directly snapping it to your better running quarterback, and punting once in a while. It's okay. It is okay not to score in every possession of a game where no one's going to score. And he treated every possession like we got to find a way to get this ball down the field, and I could I have a quarterback that can throw it. And you know what? This is going to be fun. Fun was had by Brian Kelly on the headset. Uh, I would. There was some video that ESPN had just sort of in the Saturday Follies uh, clip mashup of, and they had some of Mustafer snapping to Kaiser under center before the game, fumbling the ball. Um, I understand why people think that would be a good change, but I don't mean that by snapping. I mean snapping. No, that's pro- there, there are probably yeah. more mistakes yeah, made by more mistakes. snaps yeah. in this yeah. game. Yeah. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I that's not run. a solution. <laughs> no, no, no I, I meant handed to a running back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now that that <laughs> I think snap would, it to a running back that would be yeah. a solution. Yeah. Um, and I think that really showed in the second quarter. Notre Dame has first and ten at the twenty-two. They're down three nothing. All you need is a field goal to just sort of hang around. You go incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. A North Carolina State personal foul 
keeps the drive alive miraculously. You have a zero-yard run by Josh Adams, a pass to Hunter for 11, first down. At the six. At the six. First and goal at the six, you get a false start, I think, on Nelson. It was Nelson. Credited Nelson, yeah. So, okay. It's still it was first, on the left side. It's okay, still first and goal at the 11. Right. Then you take a bad sack. Then another incompletion. Then you have the hope and a prayer pass that is supposed to go to Hunter. Never really had a chance. Um, you know, Kaiser was like, look, I I asked him about it after the game. He said, I, you know, Hunter was open for just a second. You got to hit it before the safety gets there. The rush was kind of in his face by the time he he but released. But was just not. He's just like I just I couldn't I couldn't get it there. It was a really bad sack that Kaiser couldn't take there. But do you know the best way to afford a ba- to avoid a bad sack on first and goal at the eleven? Take a knee, hand the ball off to yeah. someone, and let him run. Yeah, because I, you can't I, get sacked behind thought, the line. I thought the conditions called for for you know like more pistol where a guy can really get downhill a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know the passes, the, the degree of difficulty of some of the passes, the length and, and cross field. Did, did they did they run a slant? Did they run a, a a shovel pitch forward, not laterally to a running back, but a shovel pitch forward, where again he can get downhill. The pro size jet sweep thing and the oh a shovel pitch forward. I see For, what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, like it's yeah. like a, a like a draw play right. where you pitch and it, it forward. It, it falls, where he can, it's incomplete. Where yeah. he's running to the line of scrimmage as as opposed to parallel. I thought NC State did a bad, bad job of using Jalen Samuels because they gave him everything he touched was running laterally to the line of scrimmage, and that's not that's not what makes him a, such a quality player either. Yeah. Bill Belichick wasn't on the other sideline. No, <laughs> no. Uh, you know, I will defend one thing on on where the passes were going. I kind of thought about it after the game because you and I were complaining. You don't throw downfield, but it's hard to throw slants and crosses and digs because they're going to be dropped and the balls are going to go in the air and they're going to be intercepted. That's in true. The rain, and so. I and digs, I mean, Just digs, digs would ideally be good, <laughs> but how does the guy stop and right. turn around? And and I understand that. And I and I agree. Slants, uh, it's tailor made for tips yeah. and balls up in the air. I, I understand that. Yeah, I think for the most part, almost every completion of any significance was outside the numbers outside where the if you drop it it's going out of bounds it's not being batted up in the yeah, air no, i mean that's a good point that's a fair point but you have to agree that in the wind conditions the, the degree of difficulty yeah. we talk about 50 50 balls they were 20 80 balls a yeah, lot of time yeah. where they the odds of completing it were huge and that's why they were six for 19 with the wind six for 11 against the wind either way i mean at least against the wind it was more efficient than you were throwing it with the wind. Probably shorter passes. I mean, it's just they're just too many passes. And I, I think, think that's the moral of the story. And it's just <laughs> I, I, I'm to sum up, talking too much here, but just one last thing: they had the wind in the middle quarters. Did I say this before? Or after we went on here, I'm not sure. They had the wind in the middle quarters, and that's when you should play Zaire. Yes. Um, I mean, He's yeah, not 250 Zaire. Pounds, Tim. You can't give him the ball. He's not a 250 pound. He, uh, amazingly, he was a big, powerful running back in the Music City Bowl, but he no longer is apparently. Yeah, that was that was one of Kelly's commentary after the game about like, well, we kind of did wildcat with Kaiser. No, because you only had four design runs for him. Like that's not the same thing as what they were doing, what NC State was doing with McClendon, who had ten runs for 56 yards. And he's not a better runner. That's like saying we did wildcat with Finley. They put in the better runner. Yeah, Malik Zaire is still a better runner, right? Kaiser's a better passer. <laughs> yeah. Zaire's okay. a better runner until the day we die. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And on that note, that's the end of segment one on Irish Illustrated Insider. As you might imagine, we have many, many questions, so we'll get to all that next on Irish Illustrated Insider. 
segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, our Burning Up the Boards edition, and we actually had a few questions uh, to, to weed through this time. Sterling James begins, are fans overreacting about this loss? I think it depends on what your reaction is. You know, it's, too, it's sort of too squishy of a question uh, to know, like, is your reaction that Notre Dame should join the Ivy League? Yes, you are overreacting. Um, are you looking at it like, hey guys, Notre Dame can still go 5-1? and one. Then I think you're underreacting. So I, I don't. I guess I don't know what your reaction would be. Um, I think for for most for most of us, at least for me, is what I wrote in my column. This really should have just confirmed what you already knew about Brian Kelly. This is the kind of coach that he is. He wants to pass the ball. He's you know a bit of a hard ass on the sideline. Sometimes that's fine. Yeah, uh, and Saturday it wasn't. Um, so. I, I, I'm not really sure what the reaction would be, so that's it makes well, it hard to say whether you're overreacting. I, where I what I have a difficult time doing, and we're in the business to answer questions like this, is well, what? Are, so now what's going to happen over the last six games? I, or or the reaction that they're two and four, they can only beat Army, and they're going to lose all the other ones, and that may very well be the case. But I can't judge a game beyond this week. I, I we can we can try. I mean, if Virginia Tech stays true to form. Norting will probably lose. If Navy plays like they did against Houston, Norting probably loses. We don't know where USC will be. I don't know how to rate Notre Dame versus Miami right now. My point is, I think Notre Dame can win this weekend against Stanford. I don't know that they will, but I think that they're certainly capable of doing that. Uh, overreaction is part of what we all do, isn't it? I mean, it's especially uh, as it is for a fan. So, um you know, people talking about Brian Kelly getting fired. Is that premature? I don't know that that's premature per se. I, I think it. I think Jack Swarbrick has to take a hard look at how this season has been coached. Um, yeah, you know, you know, it hasn't. It has. It's been coached extremely poorly. I, I don't oh, think there's any doubt about that. I. It's. It's almost irrespective of the record. You have to look at how it's coached because. You know they probably shouldn't be two and four. Let's be. Let, there's four games have come down to the wire. They've lost all four. So now look at looking ahead. Four or five are going to come down to the wire, right? The rest of the way, at least four. Yeah, maybe five will come down to the wire. Will they lose them all? Will they just all of a sudden make the plays and win them all? Will they win half of them? So I don't know what. Two for him to be. This is what I believe to be the truth, not my opinion of what everybody thinks. Everything we say is what we want to happen. I think. They will have to lose games where Brian Kelly keeps having this bad of a season. In fa- so, in other words, if they look good, they have five toss-ups coming up if you include Navy right now. They have five sure. toss-up games coming up. Brian Kelly can coach better, and they can still lose some of these games. Because Virginia Tech is better than Notre Dame. Miami is better than Notre Dame. Right. Stanford looks <clears throat> like a wash right now to Notre Dame. We thought they were better. But, man, they look terrible recently. Just, did they play Eastern Washington? Because <coughs> they are getting worked by the state of Washington. <laughs> and it is. I mean, Navy looked like, like they didn't have anything this year until you know from what they normally have until. Right. It's all fun and games playing Navy until someone puts that helmet in your shin, isn't it, Houston? Yeah. 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 And then you find out how great it is to play those guys. So I, what I'm saying is he could turn this team around. They could play really well, continue this. We're having fun. We, you know, we, we play aggressively. And they could go 5-7. and seven. But what if he? What if they do a better job in the next six games? They're not going to be worse, right? They, I mean, they would have to quit to look worse in their next four losses if they lose that many more games, three or four more games. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the defense could be better, and they still lose. Right. I mean, I, I think that you could see NC State 
Syracuse performances, uh, which were, which were better. Um, Aren't the three best teams on their schedule left at this point? Yeah, I mean, look, Notre Dame's first six opponents are combined sixteen and seventeen, and they've beaten one Power Five team other than Notre Dame, which they've beaten four times, and that's Wake Forest. So, I mean, it's it's not it's not good. Um, this was a this was an opening schedule that should have been six and oh five and one. And you're two and four. And even coaching down, you could be four and two. Yes. Even just, just let things fall where yeah, they I mean, may, at, you could be four and I mean, two. At, at worst, three and three, but yeah, probably yeah. at worst, four and two. Um, they didn't. They're, they're as bad off as they could be because they've played a dumpster fire in Syracuse to beat them, and a team that couldn't beat them in Nevada if they took yeah. a player off the field. They hit the, they're in the worst yeah. case scenario yeah. right now. J Law one with the season half over. Which player or position group has been the biggest underachievers and overachievers? Under offensive line, I don't even know what the other candidate would be. Uh, I mean, I really thought that was going to be the strength of the team, and it has not been. Um, that that, yeah, that position is a total mystery to me. Over would be the wide receivers, right? Over would be wide receivers. I would go, this is really twisted logic, but in the last two games, I would actually say the secondary would be over because they were so far under. To start the season. I think what we've seen from some of the young guys, Dante Vaughn, Trey Pride, throw Nico Fertitta in there. Uh, Studs still has struggled at times. Um, Jalen Elliott has really sort of been invisible in a good way. That's right. That's um, a good thing. I think that, that position is, has, has some bright spots moving forward, but only because of injuries and poor performance from other guys. I agree with the offensive line. I don't think it's all on the individual players. I think a lot of it is philosophy, and you can't just press the button and run the football. I mean, I think that's kind of a given. I've really liked the linebackers since the beginning of the season. I think they've done a good job. Brian Kelly mentioned early on when I asked him about the linebackers, about the inconsistency of the will linebacker position, but I think I've mentioned this before. Usually the guy that started and struggled, the guy that came in, you know, Martini, Mm -hmm. Coney, Played well then. So, Anwalu's, I, I, I think, is the MVP of the defensive side of the ball, along with, you know, Rochelle, I guess. Uh, I, 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 But I would pick Anwalu. Um, you know, I like what, I mean, now Morgan's becoming a pretty darn good linebacker. Uh, but there's 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 more guys that have played under projected expectations than over. I mean, running running back has been disappointing. Um, yeah. You know, those two things, that goes together with the offensive line. It does, but they're even disappointing separately. You can break tackles. I agree. You know, I agree, yeah. you, you can't have a great year with an offensive line that's not performing cohesively, but you can break some more tackles. Mm-hmm. You can make some individual plays. All right, next up, our question is from Kenneth Bone. Kelly looked really beaten down in the press conference, similar to Jerry Faust after the 1985 Miami game. Does anyone think he will, quote-unquote, step down after the season? Is it clear that coaching and leadership has significantly regressed? Well, stepping down when you Ste- get a I mean, large no. contract extension, no, yeah. that's, not a, that's not a thing because uh, you're giving away the Weissian money. Yeah, that that won't happen. Um, or should it? Because no one should give away that money. No, it, yeah. it, I mean, yeah, it just that it, this we're in the real world here. Brian Kelly's not going to walk away from that. He did look beaten down though. Let's not but pretend he was, the question well, he was, But yeah. here's the thing, and and we all said this. I mean. He can't. He was basically the same way when he came out of practice on Thursday. So the last two times we've seen him when he's been beaten down, he he's come dry. off a football field. <laughs> <laughs> one was a practice field. One was a wet game field. And in both instances, he knew that his te- he knew his team was in trouble on Thursday. I agree. I mean, I think that yeah. that, that that was that was that wasn't an act. 
he knew his team was in trouble on Thursday, and uh, he knew he was in trouble Saturday after the game. You and I both said walking out, oh, I'm glad I picked NC State after that Thursday press yeah. conference. Yeah. So, he was like, mis- Tim, can I give you a new prediction? Mistake on my part on there. Well, I mean, I, 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 what it was I said a weird, was, it was a real it was, weird No, it could have gone, right. yeah, I mean, it, I, it, it could have gone the other way, but that was a game that I picked they'd lose in the preseason, and I, it happens every year I pick a game they'll lose in the preseason, and then it's that week, and I pick them to win, and it, it, it's not right. And you picked Stanford. They were, I, I picked a win over Stanford in the preseason. Bottom line. Stick your guns. NC State, yeah, I know. <laughs> NC State, better running game. NC State, better defense. Wet field, dry field, NC State was going to win that football game. Q Philly, why would Brian Kelly not have Deshaun Kaiser under center given the problems of the snap and the conditions? Well, we already talked about that. Well, first of all, the answer to the question is that's not what they do. Yeah, well, and also, it's just not what they yeah, do. Yeah, so it's more difficult uh, when you don't do it. And then secondly, there's a lot of fun snaps in those situations. I mean, that's snap of the ball, but it's easier to catch a, a nicely snap football when it's somewhere near you than it is one hammered into your hands, especially when you don't mm-hmm. practice it much. They don't practice that much. And if you want to go back to Brian Kelly's recent history, insert Dane Christ for his first snap under center, Game 7, 2011 season, 99 yards the other way on a fumble. Yeah, I mean, Everett Golson was... Was really bad in same, 2014. Same, the goal same line. dynamic. Yeah. They would bring him in under center of the goal line. It would it'd fumble at like at a rate <laughs> ten times higher. I mean, it was almost like what you needed to do with Sam Mustafer was have him go hang out with Scott Daly, and they do like the two handed long snap yeah. every time. It's totally under control, and because then you yeah. you have a grip on the ball. Like you had to start with that. The game. So they skipped that first step. <laughs> they're not. They're allowed to hit Sam Mustafer though. Unlike yeah, Scott Daly, yeah. the problem. The game, <laughs> football's changed. Okay, I mean, just about everybody does shotgun snaps. Very few teams use a fullback. That's the other thing that everybody wants. But if that's not what you practice, you're not going to execute it well in a game. You do run quarterback power though, so you could snap to say you're yeah. good running quarterback with a yeah. running back in front of them, yeah. and maybe that would work. Yeah, it's kind of like a fullback. Who, who JND fan with all the chatter about how Kaiser could be a very high draft choice made by people that aren't going to make that decision? That's my insertion. In your, <laughs> uh, in your, in your professional opinion, is he really ready for the NFL? I mean, no, but who is? Right, like that, like nobody's ready, and Deshaun Kaiser fits into that group with everyone. Um, I do think it would be fair to say Deshaun Kaiser is not accurate enough to be a top five NFL draft pick because I don't think that he is. Uh, I think too often you see him miss throws that just they have to be automatic at the next level, and it's 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 not like Will Fuller where you're like, well, he needs to make that catch in the pros because he's just so much damn faster than everybody. Yeah. Deshaun Kaiser could be a good NFL quarterback. I have no idea, but he is not accurate enough to be a good NFL quarterback right now. He's going to have to improve in an area where it is very difficult to improve. You know, I think he will improve. Um, I, I, I'm not a quarterback coach, but I think he will improve in that area because when he first came to the lineup, did you see him against Georgia Tech throwing footballs? They were bouncing all over the place. They corrected that mistake within two weeks, and now he is, he's not an extremely accurate passer, which you need to be. But I think the, the criticism I would have of Kaiser is his athleticism is well above the college guys chasing him, and that's why he has 15, 16, 17 rushing touchdowns yeah. and why it normally works when he runs. That will He will not be an athletic NFL quarterback. He, his athleticism quotient drops significantly. Aside from being sturdy, he is not an athletic runner when he gets to that level, so he's got to get more accurate. 
I agree with what you said, Pete, about his accuracy isn't good enough, but I think it's worse this year than it was last year. I thought last year... Everything is. Yeah, I mean, I thought last year he was trending in the way of, you know, moving up in terms of accuracy. Of course, this past game, that doesn't count, of course. Right. But, no, yeah, but no I, I mean, I still think what Pete said is correct, that that he hasn't been as accurate. And in the NFL, you... You have to be so pinpoint, it's it's outrageous how pinpoint you have to be. The other thing to remember is this. He has 17 career starts. Most guys aren't ready for the NFL after 17 career starts. But, although this was not the way the question was asked, that doesn't mean if NFL GMs tell him he'll be a first-round pick that he shouldn't go pro. Yeah, no, I'm That's not, a separate, yeah. Yeah, separate question. But, it, I mean, you know, if you're looking for a silver lining, we're halfway through yeah. the season, yeah. and, you know, you would think that Deshaun Kaiser who I think is a lot like Mike McGlinchey in being very self-aware of what he is and what he isn't, would probably be inclined right now to come back. But again, you're right. First-round draft choice, if that's what it is, then you know just about anybody will go. And we just lost a subscriber at Brandon Wimbush. (laughs) (laughs) Turkleton, is there a more stubborn head coach with as little success as Brian Kelly? I mean, even Nick Saban adopted a pro-style power run game on offense by adding, adapted his pro-style power run game by adding some up-tempo things. I mean, this is the week to ask that question, right? I, it's, I, I'll use this example. Tim, I kind of didn't know what you were saying all week when you, you were joking that there would be two game plans. You're like, there's not going to be two game plans, there's going to be one. And I thought, well, yeah, the game plan is going to be they're going to run. You were actually insinuating what happened, that they're going to keep throwing. Yeah, they, you were don't, right. they, don't have, they don't have a second game plan no. under any conditions. I didn't get it. I was like, of course there's going to be one. They're going to run. You were right. They were going to pass. There was one condition. Did you see? We had a board a board response that said the polar ice caps would have to melt and the game would be played underwater and then they would have had a second game plan. That was the post of the uh, gear on Irish <laughs> Illustrated. So, yeah, this is a good time to ask this question because we cannot come up with a more stubborn coach this week. In sports, the Brian Kelly. Yeah, I mean, the Nick Saban comparison, like, what it, I, I realize there are a lot of Notre Dame fans that want to compare everything Notre Dame is doing or not doing to Alabama and Ohio State. Like, just do yourself a favor and stop it, because you're just going to drive yourself insane. Nick Saban, do give him credit, though, because he adapted his offense from power running game all the time to what Lane Kiffin does, mobile right. quarterback, also adapted on defense. Instead of recruiting safeties who were 6'2", 230, now they have fast guys who can move around all the time. So they've adapted on both sides of the ball. And I think you've seen co- coaches who have reinvented themselves. Gary Patterson at TCU would be a good example. The, was this a, a Cro-Magnon yeah. offense? And then, like, let's do something wow, else. And, and then flip the 40 points. The best, I mean, the best coaches in the history of sports are the most open-minded ones. Yeah. I, you know, adapt. there was a time. Now, let me just say, there was a time in the game, and that's why, you know, when you mentioned Lou Holtz, it was a different era then, and he was really, real. he was more stubborn. The question was, uh, stubborn, uh, a guy stubborn that has had so little success. Holtz was more stubborn, but it worked. It, he proved yep. it, game after game, season after season. Brian Kelly's had a and this is, I'm going to channel my Brian Kelly thought process, Brian Kelly in his career has had a lot of success overall, so he thinks his way. Right. Is the way to go no matter what. Mm-hmm. Even though it shouldn't be in a hurricane. Top relax 10. Special teams is a disaster. And tight end play, everything from their role on special teams to their lack of a role of the offense has been a massive disappointment. Is Scott Booker a good enough recruiter to warrant retention in some other lesser role? Or will he be let go after the season? I don't know. Um, I think he's a good recruiter. 
Is he Notre Dame's best recruiter? I wouldn't definitely not say that either. Um, tight end play has been poor. Special teams is it's like home run or strikeout on three pitches. Um, you know, I, I think as much as we point out the mistakes Notre Dame makes on special teams, they've also had some game changing plays in a positive way. So it's, but it's both. I, I think Brian Kelly would settle for like a game-changing play in a positive way every five games, and then you can stomach the one negative play or, every seven or games. Or a game without a negative game play. Every game time they lose, play. something terrible is happening you know, on special we, teams. We were going to ask about, just I mean, more out of curiosity last week, about Marty Biaggi, the, the analyst on staff, and then I noticed in watching the game yesterday that we think, I don't know, the no, he's got hoods on, hoods, hoods on in rain, but it was Brian Kelly talking to Marty Biaggi after the block punt. Does that mean that his fingerprints were on the rugby-style changes that they made? I don't know. Um, but, I mean, that that's a little bit, uh, I mean, I don't think we've seen him consult with him during uh, during a game prior to this. Yeah, and I don't know if that, does that mean Booker is more doing returns and Biagi is that could influencing be. Yeah. The, the kickoffs and the punts? I have I have absolutely no idea. It's kind of an interesting question moving forward. Kind of a, a quick overview, and this is kind of off the top of my head, so if I'm one or two off, don't quote me on it. 2013, not even the worst kickoff coverage team in the country among Power Five, and I think they're 124th out of 128th. Brian Kelly called it a joke and abysmal on uh, the last game of the season. 2014 was actually felled not only by Everett Golson, but the inability to snap the ball to field goal mm. and extra point kickers. 2015, off the top of my head, was very good with Newsom Yoon and CJ Sanders. And 2016, all four games have been impacted by special teams in losses. Yeah, it's I so you had Sanders with the uh, the kickoff return callback against Michigan State, the muff punt against Michigan State. Then you had the kickoff return allowed against Duke by the backup returner, who has three of them by the way, which yes. is really impressive that Duke has kick La- return last yet. week. Block <laughs> punt, Texas block field you, goal. you had the block field goal. Also had the block extra point that tied the game. Yeah. Uh, and then you had Sanders with the kickoff return for a touchdown against. What game was that? Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah, they allowed the long punt returns against Syracuse. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just it's been just a wild. Uh, I guess in fairness to that win, CJ Sanders was really the momentum changing play yeah. in the Syracuse game. So I'm saying it's like home runs and strikeout on three yeah. pitches. It's just it's crazy. Just, 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 just put the ball in play. They don't do that. <laughs> uh, next up, helmet six two two. What do you think is the best next step for the program to take? And when does it happen? I think they're taking the right steps on defense under the circumstances. I don't know what exactly. I, I you, you had to. I think you had to remove Brian Van Gorder in order to wipe the slate clean and move forward. I, you know, can they build upon what's happened the last two weeks? I think they're better. I don't know. You can judge it based upon being in in the water. Uh, the next best thing they can do is beat Stanford, which is the only really thing that matters right now. You don't look too far ahead. Um, you, you have to continue to go a game without the special teams killing you and causing you de- defeat. Um, I'm not being very specific here. Do you have something more specific? No, I'm just doing more I think more big picture, I think, assuming Brian Kelly is retained for 2017, the most important step, no matter what, is your defensive coordinator hire. If things continue to go awry and it's just a train wreck and for some reason they make a change, which I don't think is going to be the case after this year, the most important step... Well, let's put it this way. Unless it's just miserable, the most important step is Jack Swarbrick deciding, is the next coach I want for this program 
be it in 2017, 2018, or beyond, available to me this year, and can I get him? Because well, hiring the right guy is a heck of a lot more important than firing a guy because he had a really bad year, and it will probably win you nine games next year if he just comes back. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you, O'Malley. I think the next step is the defensive coordinator, and I'm curious to yeah. see how much of that is Jack Swarbrick driving that or Brian Kelly driving that. Obviously, it's going to mix of the two, but is a situation like LSU where you hire the best available guy, even though your program is in a huge amount of turmoil. I mean, that's they tried to run less miles out of town at the end of last season. Can you get a defensive coordinator to come in under difficult conditions off a, a four and eight, five and seven, six and six type of year? You probably um, could. We've talked about him last week and we know that, you know, Mike Elko is a name that in, in in held, some respects, is in play here. Held Syracuse to nine points. Held Syracuse to nine points last week. So, you know, I, I, you're right. I mean, it starts absolutely with the defensive coordinator. They've made progress here, but you're not going to go with Hudson or Elston or anybody on the current staff as your defensive coordinator. Dave Aranda is, is a, a pipe dream, both in terms of his contract situation with LSU and you know, if, if Brian Kelly's still, still here next year, how many great defensive coordinators are going to walk into a situation, say Brian Kelly's coming off four and eight, five and mm-hmm. seven? I mean, that's a that's a risky. Well, that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Dave Aranda walked into the, a, a worse snake pit there than here, like because. But it's but that's LSU and the SEC. I think that's a different situation. Immortality, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't yeah. know if it is. I don't think it's any better or worse. I just think they're they're both. Not okay, but you don't. But Dave Aranda's not going to be a Notre Dame. No, this year. but I'm just saying if you go get a top DC from somebody else, someplace like even, or if you just like say or hire Mike Elko from Wake Forest, like is Mike Wake Forest is on the rise right now. They're I think five and one. Um, <laughs> Thank God they're not on the schedule. Yeah, <laughs> is he is he, he going to jump ship there to come here? If you triple oh, his salary, that. probably, and give him a three-year guaranteed deal, probably, because that's what LSU did to get Aranda. It was like, don't. It was like, don't worry about what happens with the head coach. You're going to be taken care of. It, you know, because a three-year deal. Well, when Dave Lawson is the new head coach at Notre Dame <laughs> in a year or two, he'll just retain Who wins the ACC. Yeah, <laughs> it'll work out great. All right, final question, Carl Becker. This is, uh, I think, presidential debate inspired. <laughs> Say one thing you respect about Brian Kelly. I mean, the, we're getting now. This is when we're getting a little over the top, right? Okay. The que- the questions about are we right, overreacting and things like that. I mean, look, do you remember what Brian Kelly inherited? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Come on. I mean, is this, this is a football question, right? He it, ter- terrible, <laughs> terrible. But no, I don't even mean it that way. I'm saying terrible. Look, I, his play calling was hideous in that game, and I would give him an F for the season, an F for the season. But that's not everything in his repertoire at Notre Dame, I mean his resume at Notre Dame, he came into a broken down program. There are people when you watch Notre Dame lose those games at the end under Weiss, it was always like, of course. This people are like, what is wrong with Notre Dame? Because he built them back up. So he built your program up. Now should he be there forever? Not if it continues like this. Right. But I mean, come on, this is just yeah, getting a little well, over the top at this I, point. It, it is a, it's a debate. When they would lose it's under Weiss, people related. were laughing at the program. It, it was hilarious how they would lose those. Games. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Now people are shocked. Know, the organization and the yeah. setup of the organization and what he's been able to do in 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 accordance with Jack Swarbrick and all the things that are uh, uh, a much better situation and a stable foundation and base 
of the program. In a bad year. This is a bad... This, he could not be doing a worse job this year, right? They have plenty of talent to be not doing this. I think he's a really yeah. good coach. He's yeah. doing a really bad job right, right. now. Totally agree with you. And, he, I, I, and I think one of his strengths, ironically, is, is probably hurting him right now because when you talk to assistants who were back in 2010, Tony Alford told me this. When I, The question I, keep, I asked him was, Tell, explain to me what is so different about Weiss versus Kelly. Why is why is this working for Kelly? Why is why was Kelly able to get the season out of a, a tailspin in 2010 and Weiss couldn't really ever do that? And he said one of the things that Kelly does really well, he's very consistent and trusting in his approach. He is not going to change when crap is flying all over around him. I think for the most part that's been a real positive. Right, right now, last weekend, it wasn't. That that required and needed some kind of change, some kind of adjustment. But I do think that's one of Brian Kelly's best attributes is he knows his plan will work. For the most part, he's right. But sometimes it doesn't. And this season has been one of those it hasn't. I would think, though, that now that the off-season self-study is how much adjustments need to be made. Because you can keep pretending like you're not a bad road team and... All the other things they talk about, but they are a very bad team on the road, mm-hmm. and they are not beating teams that are better than them. And eventually, that won't work in Notre Dame. They don't beat teams. They blast teams to beat that's better than them. I mean, Stanford, two thousand fourteen, probably uh, Michigan State, twenty thirteen. Mm, that's before that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's that, one well, of, one of those two. That is, and Michigan State is the best, by far, the best example because they're a great team and Notre Dame was an average team. So that was the one. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame and Stanford were just the exact same messes of nothing in fourteen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think one of that's the, a long time. One of the problems September. is like now they're losing to teams that are worse than them. Right. Like I think in twenty thirteen we looked at that year and be like, you know, if they could just won that pit game, yeah, it'd have been. That was like ah, that pit game really is. And now it's like they're losing the pit game three or four times. Like, this season just felt like one big pit game. It just felt like one big Navy in the Meadowlands game. Yeah, right. You know, and, and, <clears throat> I mean, injuries have nothing to do with this. Very little. Very, what? very little. I mean, beyond Crawford. Yeah, I guess I was thinking that you lost Crawford Watkins and you dismissed Redfield. That's not an injury. But they're just slower than they should have been. But that's uh, all. It has that, less to do with it than it ever has for any team that's yeah. been this bad. Let's put it that way. Yes. In the history of the world, I like using those statements, but uh, no, it's yeah. the yeah fourteen and fifteen. You knew you were just looking well, at it, like that what was, is wrong with that? Them? Was used during the debate last night. <laughs> the history of the world. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I'm going to refrain from making a debate joke to close the podcast. You've been listening to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. We will be back Thursday for our same preview. No